Well, good evening. It is good to see you here uh, today, and I have been telling people Merry Christmas just so I won't say good morning because it is sort of a habit, but it is, it is no small thing that you're here tonight and uh, through the weather and through all the things have, have made it here to be with us, and I'm so grateful, and I hope that you will feel that this night is special. We believe uh, that it is, and a large part is because you're here. Uh, you make this night and our community special through your presence. And so that is a gift to all of us, and I'm so grateful. I'm Adam Schurz, I'm the lead pastor here, and um, on behalf of the Broadway family, welcome to our Christmas Eve celebration. And uh, as we uh, go, go through the evening together, we will share in song and we'll share in Holy Communion, and then we'll light a candle at the end of the night that is our way of claiming in some way for ourselves the truth that we announce that the light has come into the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. And I pray that that would be your lived reality uh, and that we would celebrate that tonight. You know, we live that out in ways, uh, in various ways in our life together. And so uh, each Christmas Eve, we take up an offering. That offering goes to something beyond our walls. Now, it doesn't go to our general fund. It is a way for us to live into the announcement of uh, the light that has come into the world. And so um, several years ago, in fact, 12, Ashley and Justin Guest uh, were introduced to me. And uh, essentially, someone in our church said, hey, you need to meet this couple. Ashley grew up here, feels a call to be a missionary. And we sat down and we dreamt together, and that was one of many conversations. But I remember distinctly what I said that night, which is uh, just lean into the Broadway family, get to know people, tell your story, and I think it will take off from there. And 12 years later, it has. So I'm going to invite the guests um, forward, and they are going to share a little bit about their work. Would you welcome them with me? Hi, I'm Micah, this is my dad, Justin, this is my brother, Isaiah, and this is my mom, Ashley. We're missionaries serving in Stockton, California. Thanks, guys. You can go sit down. <laughs> um, as Adam and Micah told you, I'm Ashley. I grew up here and got, started to go to youth group here, went through confirmation, and um, began going on mission trips. Um, with Broadway and went to Ghana and just fell in love with it and knew that God was calling me to work as a full-time missionary. So when I met Justin on our first date, I told him, I don't think you probably want to date me because I feel called to be a missionary. And I said, why don't you let me decide that? And uh, I grew up in Bowling Green as well and went to church and I had felt the call to be a youth pastor never really thought about being a missionary, but when she said that that night, quickly, for some reason, I wanted to be a missionary. I was really interested in it. I'm not sure. Uh, so we got, uh, found our organization, World Gospel Mission, WGM, and they asked us to go to Honduras. And there we worked at an orphanage called Project Manuelito for seven years. We had 43 kids that lived with us, 150 kids that came from town every day to go to school. And we loved it. Our oldest son, Michael, was born in Honduras. He's a Honduran citizen. Uh, and we thought that we were going to stay there forever. We thought that's where God had called us. But as many of us here know, things change. And suddenly it became clear that we needed to 
move somewhere else. And so we saw where that would be. And it ended up being on the northern coast of Honduras on a little island. Uh, and there was a native tribal group there called the Garifuna people. And so we worked there for four years alongside these people, and we did all the ease. We empowered, equipped, encouraged those people to meet their community's needs and be the change that they wanted to see. And we loved that. But after four years, we started to feel like it was time to go somewhere else. And that one really hurt, because we were real. well, the one before that really hurt too, but we were really comfortable. We were really happy. We had built an amazing, well, we didn't build it, but an amazing ministry was happening there but it became clear. So we started to ask around and everyone kept saying, have you considered Stockton, California? You guys would be perfect for there. And my first reaction was absolutely not, no way, we're not going to California. Do you know how expensive it is there? A combo at McDonald's costs 14 to $15. Yeah, so it's like, no, 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 we can't, we can't even afford that on our, on our donations and all that. But it just kept coming up. And it became very clear that that was where we were supposed to go. So we went and checked it out and just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, not in love with the problems, but in love with the possibility of work there. Um, it's a really interesting area. It's the most diverse city in the United States. Um, and that brings about a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of culture, a lot of differences, and a lot of need. Um, and so we are working with a place called The Center, and it was founded 27 years ago and run by other missionaries with our agency that are looking at retiring. And so that is why they've really been praying that somebody would come along um, and, and keep it going in the future. Um, and so we have right now an after-school program, and so we're there to mentor and tutor and love and help the kids dream and think about the future because that's not something that is encouraged and um, helped in a lot of their lives. Um, we do homework help. We just love on them. Um, we're there for the big things in their lives that they're going through and, and the small things when they complain about the hot dogs they had for lunch, um, just to be a listening ear. But a few months ago, one of our little girls came in and she was sharing, well, she just looked really upset and I asked her what was going on. And she said, my brother's at home and he has a knife. Um, and I asked some more questions and she's, he, it turns out he was under the influence and he was pacing around the house with a knife and she felt very unsafe. And so we called mom and mom was there with their three other young daughters and she said she did not feel safe. So she came down to the center as well and we were able to get the police involved and um, get the situation under control, provide a safe place for them to be and then also try to help get the older brother into, into some counseling, into some rehab um, to get that taken care of. You may have heard of Stockton. It's, it's infamous in the United States for having gang issues and homelessness, and it's a lot of poverty, uh, which makes it a perfect place to have a ministry. And uh, a lot of the children we work with face that. One family is, is currently homeless and has been for the past couple of years. And I was talking to him the other, it was about a month ago, about what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said he wanted to be an actor. And I joked and said, oh, so you're going to be, uh, you're going to work at restaurants, right? And he said, yeah, but I'm going to work at five-star restaurants like the Olive Garden. And he wasn't joking. <laughs> he was serious to him. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a five-star place, sure. Um, but as he was telling me his dream and what he wanted to be, he started to talk to me about high school and, and what that would look like. And he was scared. And I could tell he was scared. And there was that sense, and he, and he expressed that to me, that these barriers that were in front of him, he told me about how many guns they had already found at school that year. And it was like this fear of this is what I want to be, but I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm not going to get there. Um, and that's what, we, that's what we exist for, for these families who, who have so many barriers in their life, but to give them a full life, to show them God's love, to show them the path that he has for them so that they can experience a full life and, and reach those dreams that they have. Yeah, 
We have so many dreams to turn this into a community center like the Foundry, so we're just getting started, but we just want to say thank you guys so much for all of your support over the many, many years. Thank you for always being alongside of us, for coming to see us, and for being part of the work, and we could not do it without you all. Thank you all so much, and as the ushers come forward, would you just join me in prayer as we pray and as we give? God, we're thankful that it is true that you are present in this world and that that truth applies in every place. And we're grateful for those who, who take it as the calling of their lives to represent you and to do that in every place. Thank you for the guests and pray your every blessing on them, that you would lead them and guide them, and that most of all, you would be seen through them. And we pray that through our partnership with them, that we might be a part of that presence trusting that you can do far more than we could ask or imagine. And so we pray this and we give and we trust in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
If you'll open your heart as we read the word of God this evening, we hear of the birth of God's living word, Jesus Christ. I will be reading from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you pray with me now? Thank you, Father, for the hope we have in your son, for making yourself known to us in loving humility, not as a mighty king commanding great armies, but as a tiny baby born in a stable that would walk among us, teach us the ways of love and die for our sake. Make us joyful stewards of the grace you have given us and show us the way of salvation through faith in your son, amen. It just so happened to be a crystal clear night on January the 17th, 1994, when at 4.30 in the morning Pacific time, a 6.7 magnitude earthquake hit the San Fernando Valley. <clears throat> it, it knocked out power to 9 million people. The city of Los Angeles. And many of them had never experienced true darkness. And it was dark. Now, we've had a few rolling blockouts, uh, not even that, a few rolling power outages. How many of you have been affected in some way by, by that? Power's off for 15 minutes at 6.15 and 8.20 this morning at my house. It was not a major inconvenience. I turned the TV back on uh, the second time and we were good to go. It was completely dark that night. And residents went out in, outside wandering around and then began making calls, uh, 911 calls, uh, to receive some help. And it wasn't to report the earthquake. Instead, they were concerned about something in the sky they had never seen before, a strange cloud, a band of mysterious lights, a strange string of bright, shiny things in the sky, an eerie glow. It was, of course the Milky Way, and they had never seen it before. And the reason why, of course, is light pollution. They had never had the chance. That story helps me think about the dynamics that are at play in the announcement we make tonight, the, the announcement that John made as he introduces Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
And then you skip a few verses, and in verse 10, he continues, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. In each of us, in some way, those dynamics are playing out. There is a light, and we don't always see it. Like those nine million or so people, there, the light was there the whole time, but it was hard to see. This is the spiritual challenge of all of our lives, living in some sense with the dynamics of darkness and also finding in some way the claim of faith that there is a light that is more than that darkness. I don't know the last time you went out into the dark when it was really, really dark. It's not as easy to do as you might think. In May of 2019, uh, Jenny and I, my wife and I, went to the Smoky Mountains with our friends Joel and Martha Christian, and we were outside. We were sort of, in, actually during the day, kind of doing some touristy things, and we were having dinner, and um, we heard that there was a, a strange phenomenon that we wanted to see, uh, and it's the synchronized fireflies. Anybody seen that? Have you heard of that? Okay, so essentially I'm from southern Indiana. We have lightning bugs, and they're yellow, okay? They're kind of big, and they're, you, know, you go out and you catch them, and you make a little jar full of them. In the Smokies, they have smaller lightning bugs and two things that are different. One is that their, their little light is it's dimmer and it's, it's blue-ish almost. But the bigger deal is that when they get into their mating dance, they get all kind of worked up and it kind of does like you can see them kind of get excited. They start to blink at the same time. And so the, 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 here's the dynamic, the same thing again. We were, uh, we were out in the mountains. There are no lights. There's very little light pollution. It was dark. In fact, it was so dark that somebody behind us was coming up the trailhead and there was a big post in the middle uh, of, the, of the path where they didn't want someone to drive their car up the path. And the man behind us didn't see it. He ran smack into it in the dark and fell. And we were concerned about that, but we were really concerned about getting to the bug. So we went on and um, went deeper into the woods where it is just so dark. But then those little things would get going and it would be dark, then a little lighter, and then da, 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 and then all of them are going at the same time, and then it would simmer back down. And then they would get back going again, and then they would simmer back down. You know, it just took a little bit of light to transform the darkness. There was a lot of dark. And the light, in this case, was a bug. So to make the claim that Jesus is the light that gives life, to all humankind. Well, that's a, that's a pretty big claim. And so it's not surprising maybe that ancient people chose those dynamics for us to think about what it means to experience darkness. Well, they, they probably knew what that was like. And for us to claim the light, well, they would also understand that as well. One of the jokes about Christmas Eve, sort of behind the scenes, is we go through a lot of planning and we do a lot of things. And, you know, in this case, I appreciate you all finding your way here with the weather. We were changing things around. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, um, the moment at the end is the most important, right? In fact, several years ago, Pastor Lara was planning her first Christmas Eve sermon, and we were talking back and forth, and you could tell she was a little anxious, and I said, Lara, here's the thing. It doesn't really matter what we say. If we're standing there at the end of the night with a candle singing Silent Night, everybody's going to be happy. And it's kind of true, which was helpful this year as we think about maybe there would be one of those blackouts. We had the, at least the thought, what if that happens during church? 
well, we'll just all, we've already given you a candle. We're going to give you, we're just going to cut right to it. If the power goes out, FYI, just get your candle ready. We're going to sing Silent Night, and it'll be good. But in 2020, some of you know, we had a bit of a challenge with all of that. 2020, in every way, gave us a set of challenges that continue in, in many ways. Uh, so we were determined to do Christmas Eve. And um, how many of you were here for our outside Christmas Eve service? Yeah, God bless you all. It was um, awful and wonderful at the same time. <laughs> I probably will tell this story till, uh, till I die, but uh, there was a lady who came up to me so sweet, one of our sweet older ladies, and said, I have never been to an outside Christmas Eve service before. This is my first. And she was so perky about it. And I said, thank you. And this, before I could say anything else, she said, and I sure hope it's my last. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, but I told that story. Uh, uh, and at some point, some, you know, one of you came up and said, uh, but that moment staring up at the light on the steeple was the, the moment for me. Well, uh, back to Pastor Laura, you remember the advice. All you have to do is get to the moment where we sing Silent Night, everybody lights a candle, and it it's, it's, it's just happens. And so Laura was playing into that. It was three o'clock at our Greenwood campus, our first outside uh, Christmas Eve service ever, the first one of the year, first one ever. And I was relying on her to tell me kind of how it went. So as soon as it was over, I called her and I said, tell me how it went. She said, well, we got to the moment we had the, this deal. We had the Christ candle, and I was playing into it. The light has come into the dark, shone into the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not and never will. And as if on cue, before she could say, blow it out, the wind came through and blew them all out. No candles. And as they tried to light their candles, they couldn't do it. Doesn't life feel like that sometimes? <laughs> we want to claim that in faith, but in, in, in truth, it feels a lot harder. That, that we somehow have to find a way within us to claim this as a truth that is more than just words on paper and more than just, you know, a, a, a prediction from the prophets, though we read those words like from Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those hopes and those longings for a light to shine in the darkness have been with us for millennia. Words like these from the prophets weren't necessarily a prediction. They were a claim of faith then that would be carried forth through the ages, and, and at some point, this Jesus comes on the scene, and people started realizing those expectations that the light that he brought into our world was unique, distinctive, and powerful. A light that was not like other lights, a light that was about compassionate love and mercy and grace a light that shone not, not brightly because of its use of power, but through powerlessness. A generosity of spirit. And most of all, a presence. A simple presence. So that we would eventually claim another scripture from Isaiah 
that this would be Emmanuel, God with us. That light shining into our darkness is the claim of our faith. The psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Tonight we are reminded that that is our truth. The psalmist continues, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. And then this, if I say, surely the darkness shall hide me and the light around me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. I bring 2020 up, I probably will. Every time I think about dark times, I might, I might go there, you might too. You, you might have other dark times, but there were several examples of that in 2020. One of them, uh, mo- the most obvious is those of us who walked alongside those who, ha- who were sick or those who passed away during the, the, uh, the pandemic and those realities still continue. But as you know, one of those folks uh, in our congregation and a friend of mine was Dr. Rebecca Shadowin. And Becky was someone I consulted at the beginning of the pandemic, was a friend who would help us navigate things. And then Becky herself, our infectious disease specialist, became sick with COVID-19 and eventually passed away. Becky got very, very sick and was very sick for a long time. And then she improved some before then she again got sick and, and passed. And in that middle time, um, in, in the midst of all of those dynamics, she texted me and said, I'm stuck in a, a hospital room and I need some things to read. And so I took a, I mean, I've got books. If, if, if nothing else, I've got books. So I took her some and she read them. And then she reported back and she said uh, there was one that was especially helpful. And that book is by Dr. Barbara Brown Taylor. It is Learning to Walk in the Dark. And in that book, she comes to the conclusion that all hope, true hope, is actually born in the dark. That there is in this dynamic of light and dark something about the darkness helping us see the light. That all life is born in the dark which is true of the creation itself, as God's spirit hovered over the dark chaos and spoke worlds into existence. It is true for every one of us that you may light up the room now, but you began in the dark womb where you were knit together. And the life that we claim in Christ was also a life that knew the cold, dark tomb. This is what Dr. Taylor says. Even when light fades and darkness falls, as it does on every single day and in every single life, this is our faith, that God does not turn the world over to some other deity. Here is the testimony of faith. Darkness is not dark to God. The night is as bright as the day. You know, we don't really think Jesus was born on December 25th. I mean, he could have been. Probably not. And we didn't begin celebrating Christmas in a big well, big way until the ninth century. I don't know if you knew that. It wasn't a, a big holiday. And it wasn't celebrated at, on December 25th until the year 336, when Constantine made Christianity the state religion of Rome. Now, 
that's a mixed bag at best. But there is something in that claim, not because we really think Jesus was born on this day, but because of what this day represents. It's one of the darkest times of the year. These dynamics play out in all of our lives, and we somehow find in each of us a decision whether we will claim the truth that is presented this evening, that even in the darkest moments of our lives, there is a light that cannot be put out, and that that is God's doing, that is God's presence, that is the dynamic of a world with God in it. The message that came first in that first Christmas was not God saying, good news, I will transport you to a safe world. It was, no, I will be with you in a dangerous one. And when you are scared or when you are angry or when you are anxious or when you are afraid, when you feel like you have lost everything, those dynamics will be at play, but there will always, always, always be something else. And that something else will always be more powerful. Paul claims this. In, in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or nakedness or famine or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In a minute, we'll invite you to light a candle and claim that to be true. Whether you feel it, whether you know it for sure, whether you have it all figured out or not, that's okay. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And you know what? I think it's true. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would be with us in these moments, that as we share in Holy Communion, that we'd find ourselves drawn into this story. And that these words would be a way for us to enter the realities in which they participate, that we might participate in the reality of your light shining into the darkness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join in the words on the screen as we prepare for Holy Communion. I'll lead us and you'll find the words uh, underlined uh, for your response. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love filled, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. In the fullness of time, you gave birth, you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. And at his birth, the angels sang, glory to you in the highest and peace to your people on earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord. 
God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. As Mary and Joseph went from Galilee to Bethlehem and there found no room, so Jesus went from Galilee to Jerusalem and was despised and rejected. As in the poverty of a stable Jesus was born, so by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. As your word became flesh born of a woman on that night long ago, so on the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, again gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves and praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering to us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 